War Council is a hobby-centered podcast for miniature enthusiasts. Uh, my name is Caleb Dillon with White Metal Games. And I'm Phil Corn with Brushwork Minis. And uh, tonight's episode, episode 16, is our Halloween hobby podcast. We are currently about... Uh, <laughs> that was requisite, I yeah. think. We're currently about halfway through the month of October, um, d- despite when this podcast airs, and we are quickly approaching the holiday. Are you a big uh, Halloween fan, Philip? Eh... It wasn't really celebrated much when I was younger, but I do enjoy... Like you didn't trick-or-treat? Oh, okay, yeah. I didn't dress up that much, though. Oh, I see. I wasn't a big, wasn't a big dresser-upper. Cause is it like a sad story, like your parents couldn't afford a costume, or is it more like <laughs> no, you just didn't feel like doing it? I just, I, I wasn't into dressing up, I guess. And really? Not at all? Not really, no. Not even when you got to like the 14-year-old, like, slutty girl age, when it was kind of like... <laughs> that's when I, I really think... started... No, to be honest, I always dressed up. I was always, like, Skeletor was my go-to. Oh, yeah. And then I transitioned <laughs> smoothly into, like, Grim Reaper, which was basically the same thing. I think my uh, favorite Halloween experience was in college, dressed up as the character uh, from Hot Rod. I don't know if you've ever seen the movie. Oh, Hot yeah, Rod, yeah, yeah, with Andy Samberg. Yep, I had the whole uh, helmet with the cloak and everything with stars. I on. forget how much younger than you, you are than me sometimes. Like Because I was when that came out, I was like old. I'm like my mm. age now. Uh, <laughs> not my age now, but it was, it was like, that only came out like, what, seven, eight years ago? Something like that. It's yeah. amazing to me how quickly certain movie stars get big. Like, when mm-hmm. that came out, I was like, oh, Andy Samberg, yeah, I've seen him on SNL, I've seen him, mm-hmm. like, do some funny sketches. Um, but, yeah, then he got fucking huge. Yeah. He's got the like, TV show now. Yeah, with Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Yep. Um, he's just blown up. Um, okay, so you're not a big so you're not a big ho- Halloween guy. Are you doing anything for Halloween this year? Are you going to do, a, like, a party or maybe a haunted forest or something? Oh, unfortunately, I'm going to be driving. Really? Yeah. Oh, that's right, you're traveling. Yeah. Where are you heading to? I'm going up home for about three, four days. And remind our viewers where I was home? Home is Northern Virginia. Not really viewers, listeners. Yes. <laughs> uh, what part of Northern Virginia? Just outside Tyson's. Oh, that's right. So, so for those of you that don't know um, Northern Virginia very well, Tyson's Corner is kind of like, uh, I don't know, I'd say it's like 30 minutes outside of D.C. maybe. or maybe Not even like 15 yeah. minutes. Yeah. Um, and then with traffic, it's like an hour. Yeah. Because <laughs> Tyson's Corner <laughs> is this messy web of highways. Um, yeah. But it's got some really cool shopping and stuff. Mm-hmm. And, and, and so it's, it's kind of a cool area. I've never actually gone up there for geeking, so I have no idea if there's any geeky shops up there or game stores or anything Not like that. Not really. Uh, most of the people that I've met in that area are either there for the politics or they're there... I don't actually know why else. It's a really there. transitional place. Yeah, for Tons sure. of people come, get their first job, and then leave. That's usually how it works. Um, well, for those of you out there that do listen to our show, and we've learned that there are more than you view than we thought, so thank you very much for listening. Um, we are we well over the 100-person 100, 100 hump now. Mm-hmm. Um, I heard the statistic one time that you have to get 20 podcasts in before people will trust you, so we're quickly getting closer to that, to that <laughs> level. Um, all right, so um, Halloween is upon us, and we thought for this podcast we would try to pick something that was kind of Halloween-y, so we're going to pick some themes uh, we're going to talk about um, highlighting uh, blacks and how that works, um, particularly, you know, it's a color that you use a lot with Halloween dioramas and this kind of color scheme. We're going to talk about orange, which is a tricky color, and we thought that would kind of go well for pumpkins. Um, and we're going to talk about a couple other little things. But uh, before we get into all that, um, I guess, is there anything else we want to sort of fill out uh, before we move on to the painting desk this week? Oh, a couple things. Um, so, um, 
The web page redesign is still in progress, and we basically finally got the painting page done. So that will be up in the next couple of days. And this is significant because it's kind of the bread and butter of the site. Um, when you go to a painting website or a miniature website, you want to see, I would say rates would be fair. Like yeah. I want to know what you charge. Now, some services don't. They're not transparent, but I, I like transparency. So the painting page will be up in the next day or two. Um, we've put a lot of time into looking at the different rates. When I first brought you in, we kind of sat down for the first couple of days while you were painting and just talked about different numbers. We compared our service to and our levels of service to other services. We specifically used, um, who did we use? We used Raken Realms uh, and Denim Imagination. Yeah. Um, and if you look at their <laughs> stuff and you say, wow, they're way better than you. And I think, well, that's, that's, that's fair. But I think we're quickly getting really good. I think we're getting better. And I, I wanted to base my service around people that I like and their work that I admire. And I like those guys. I like their companies. I like their websites. I like the way they're set up. And so I was like, you know what? I'm going to model my business based on there. Um, and we used two other services, too. We used um, Frontline Gaming. And then we used, um, I secretly used, oh, God, who was the other Blue guy? Table? No, because Blue Table is not really transparent with the rates anymore. Okay. Um, they used to have this really big pricing graph where you could kind of chart everything out. Um, but the other guy, oh, uh, Smells Like Warren Gaming. That's who I used because I really like his work. He's kind of a smaller service, but he was made, I feel like I knew learned about him through the Independent Characters, which was another podcast that had like 400 episodes or something crazy. They, they had an insane number of wow. episodes. Um, <laughs> That's a lot. Yeah, and they, they were a fun group. I really liked listening to them. Um, but anyway, so he had a regular advertisement on their, on their podcast, and I would listen to it and I'd hear about it. And I just like the quality of his work. And his site's a little simpler than I wanted, but I liked his rate. So what we did was I took all of those rates, and I would look at, let's say, um, a Space Marine. And I would go, all right, well, how much would this service charge for it? How much would this service charge for it? And I kind of averaged it out and found a nice middle ground. But there was some variations because what we found was Awakened Realms charges really low for their quality. Mm-hmm. Den charges really high for their quality. Yeah. So we kind of found a middle ground. So bottom line is the painting page will be up in the next couple of days. Um, it's only one part of the bigger picture, but that's said and done. So look for that soon. Um, the other, I think, big thing is that I had the final painting class at Event Horizon uh, last night. Um, guess how many people showed up? Uh, was it at least two? There was at least none. Okay. None, none, none showed up. <laughs> uh, there, so in the pre- we've had four classes now. The first two, no one showed up. The third one, three people showed up, but one of them yeah. passed out because she was hungover. Uh, and the fourth class, uh, two people were signed up and then neither of them showed, which is fine. Um, so I, I, I conferred with the store owner today and sort of was like, look, you know, I'm happy to keep doing this, but obviously we're beating our head against a wall. It's not working. Let's find another night. Let's find another day. Let's find another option. So what we're thinking about maybe is doing like a Saturday clinic or a once a, once a month clinic or something like that. Um, so it'll be worth my time to go in for a few hours and help out. But at the same time, I'm not, you know, I've been stepping away from my D&D group to do this. I kind of miss my guys. Yeah. So I kind of want some time. Yeah, for sure. I need, I need some geeky time for myself. All right. So um, let's move on to On the Painting Desk. This is the segment of the show where we talk about what we are painting on. Um, Philip, what are you painting on at the moment? Well, uh, it's a little something different from before. Tau 
I started, You're painting down? I am getting a hat. They're not a commission that I gave you, so yeah, where did this come this from? This is my own. Uh, I bought the Storm Surge, <laughs> um, and I actually bought the guy. Ghost Keel. So you saw them, and you were like, I'm going to start an army no, with no, no, these no, no, two no, guys. No, no, no. <laughs> so I saw that rumored, like, months ago, that Tau yeah, were coming yeah. out, and I used to have Tau. I had them okay. way back in... What sept did you have? What, what sept did you paint to? I had my own unique. It was like a blue and white. Oh, cool. So it was like techless blue, so it was a really hard outline. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, it was my own thing. Um, but yeah, I had to get rid of them. So I was like, hey, they're coming out again. It's a good time to get back in. That's true. So now I'm going with a... Have you a, put them together yet? Yeah, I finished the Storm Surge. Yeah. Took a while, yeah. but it's it's huge. It's big, yeah. It's really big. It's How like does Imperial Knight size. Really? Yeah. Like a Titan size? No, no, no. Like the uh, Imperial no, Knight That's what I mean. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, sorry. It's like a baby Titan. So, um, wow, that's that's hefty. Yeah, it's quite large. Is um, it considered a super heavy in the rules? I'm not for sure. I don't I think, think it is. Actually, it, no, it's a gargantuan creature. Oh, you're right. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. It's so funny what they consider, like, because yeah. here's the thing. So that's a giant robot with a guy inside. The knight is a giant robot with a guy inside, but it's considered a vehicle, and that one's considered a gargantuan. Yeah. Like, who decides that? Like, what's the rule know. for that? All the Tau are like that for some reason, though. Yeah. All of them are, they're like Tyranid for some reason. Maybe the idea is that it's because it's sort of like the suit is an extension of themselves. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. It's tough to <laughs> how the, How'd the kit go together? It was, uh, it actually went pretty well. Um, I'll say, actually, the best of the two was a Ghost Kill, because cool. I did get that one as well. And that one you can actually... Well, that one's smaller. That one's more like monstrous creature size, right? It is, but it's bigger than a broadside. Oh, so okay. it's it's so still it's a hefty size, yeah. Um, How's it compared to let's say like uh, Carnifex or a Demon Prince? Um, I think it's bulkier. Well, it's about the size of a Demon Prince. Okay, with, if you had the wings and all that or something like that. Um, Carnifex. How much does it cost? There's, there's the question. It's seventy five. Oh my god! Yeah. I feel like a Demon Prince costs so much less than this. Yeah. And points wise, <laughs> it's probably about the same. I think. Wow. But um. You actually can see the pilot inside. You can model it so that the um, the head and this chest piece can move. Oh, cool. So they can open up to reveal the pilot inside, which is I thought was really cool. That's very So neat. if you want to leave it like that, you can, or you can glue it shut, you know, whatever. You but, know, I find that with the GW parts like that, that that move, it's kind of a hit or miss because once you put paint on, then it's a question mm-hmm. of will it still move? If it does, will it chip the paint? And yeah. So it, I feel like it's kind of like there's exceptions to that, like the drop pod is probably... A notable exception because it's a very simple assembly. Mm-hmm. Well, it's a complicated. It's a it's a frustrating model to put together, but it's a simple assembly. It's just a bunch of parts. Um, but those parts move very well. The doors open very well because they're mm-hmm. big and they're bulky. But like let's say um, the Valkyrie. I don't know if you ever put together a Valkyrie, no. but Thank they God. have a sliding <laughs> cargo door on the side where guys can poke out with guns and stuff, and it never really works well. It's a real pain in the butt. None of those sliding doors work. No, once you, get, once you get paint anything. in the grooves, it's just like, yeah. hey, forget about it. Um, okay, so very cool. So you're going to start up some, you're going to paint those towel up. Mm-hmm. Uh, so those are going to be sort of like test sample models for brushwork minis, I guess? Yeah. Very yeah, cool. and I also want to eventually build an army. So it's got a camo pattern. It's like black and gray and cool. then red in the um, linings. So That's very neat. Yeah, I thought it was pretty cool. That is cool. Um, what else are you painting on? Uh, let's see. Well, I'm working on the commission right now, which is a bunch of different companies. Actually, I don't even know who else the re- the RPG commission. Yeah, yeah, most of those, a lot of those are Reaper. Okay. Um, and it's worth noting for people that are interested in the hobby side of business that this client I only got. So I, I have a very active eBay store. I would say that eBay mm-hmm. is probably well, it's less of my business model than it used to be. But it, for a long time, it was like ninety percent of my model. Now it's probably more thirty percent of my model. 
And I get statistics every month from PayPal to tell me where my business comes from. And, and I would love to do a discussion about that one day. But to give you a long story short, 75% of my clients through eBay are new clients every month, which means I'm always getting new clients. So mm-hmm. I'm never relying on the same clients. Um, and of those, 15, 10% are from overseas and 30% are mobile buyers, 35%. So that means that people on their mobile devices are buying stuff more than they used to. And on top of that, brand new buyers are buying from me all the time, which is great. Mm-hmm. Um, so, <coughs> excuse me. So I put in business cards with every package I send out. I send out probably 20 packages a week. So it's 20 cards going out to guys. And this guy found us through the, through the card. So... You know, don't. That's yeah. That's awesome. It was simple, (laughs) and you know, this is a very good commission. Like, it's a very hefty commission. It's like, you know, considering it's like eight figures, which now is over five hundred dollars. It's pretty good. Yeah, I'm satisfied with that. Um, I'm very satisfied because you're doing the work. So that's even better (laughs) for me. Um, Yeah, but no, they're nice figures. Um, So so far, you've painted up like a, a wraith. Kind of guy, yeah, and um, a metallic dragon, yeah, bronze dragon, and kind of a ghosty looking dude. Yeah, he's got a glowing sword. And you're not a you're not a role player, right? So for these for you, it's not like with when you do 40k where you can immediately Mm -hmm. like you have a reference point. Like you had to actually go look these guys up and kind of get some ideas. Yeah, a bit. Well, you were kind enough to at least provide some references, so that, yeah. that helped. <laughs> but um, yeah. it helps when you talk to clients if they have very specific ideas, especially mm-hmm. especially with a metallic dragon, because that was one of the things we struggled with. That in D anD D, these are natural magical creatures. If you want to, kind of, like mm-hmm. they're like they're reptiles, so they have biology, they have innards and teeth and claws, but they also have this metallic skin. So you're contrasting metallics versus non-metallics, mm-hmm. and it's a it can be a messy palette. Yeah. But you did a good job of making it really nice. Um, so I, yeah. I think the viewers will like it once they see some pictures. Um, I finally finished up the Wood Elf diorama that I've been working on for too long. Um, <laughs> this was a massive project that the client is a long-term client of mine. He left me a very nice review on Yelp, my first Yelp review, um, and um, I can actually post sites posts post reviews on the site now so i post it there and um he's just a really good guy he's a really nice client who i won't give his name out because anonymity is important to my clients but um this wood elf project was just basically this giant glade with all of these dryads coming out of trees and he wanted lots of little fairies and gnomes running around and stuff and it was it was a lot of fun it was the first time i'd done a giant diorama it was the first big wooden base i'd ever done um like with actual like stain and mm-hmm. polish and varnish and stuff, and so it looked pretty good. Um, I was I was pleased with it, but it took way too long. I saw pictures of it. Yeah, it what looked, do you think? Yeah, I thought it looked good. You didn't yeah. get to see it in person, unfortunately, because it, no. it shipped. I finished <laughs> it and it shipped out like immediately. Okay. Because um, he paid for that a couple weeks ago, and I was like, oh, I gotta get this in the mail. Yeah. <laughs> um, and whenever a client finishes paying for an order before I'm done, I always feel pressured to like I gotta get this out. Yeah. Um, but he's he's a good guy. He he paid 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 in advance, which is always nice. Um, the fungus nids are almost done. You got a chance to see those before yeah, they came up. They look good. They look good, right? Yeah. One of the things I like about that, and I can't take credit for that color scheme. That credit scheme is from um, credit scheme. That color scheme is from Sean at Blue Table, and um, he did it for his personal army, and then he started selling it. Um, and so he has a video online, but he did all dry brushing, which I I don't mm-hmm. like dry brushing everything. It's messy. Um, yours is a lot cleaner. Yeah, I agree. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. So I, and the funny thing is I've, so I airbrushed probably, I'm going to go with 80% of the project, but it's like 
the problem is I was telling you this, I, I, I kind of mentioned this earlier is that I was having, I've been hair, having airbrush problems all week. Like every time I've cleaned it every day, <laughs> like I've taken it apart every day yeah. this week. And I've realized earlier, I was like, am, is the airbrush becoming a crutch for me where if it's not working correctly, am I at its whim? Because hmm. like, and I buy extra tips so that if one gets dirty, I have the spare, but the problem is those are dirty too. <laughs> So um, yeah. I don't know. It's interesting. I think we should do a, a, a an airbrush podcast at some point. Interesting. Well, you know, and it's one of those things. I was like, oh, I can't go back to brush now because I've done so much of the project with airbrush. It would look inconsistent. Yeah. Well, when you get something that big, you want obviously consistency is key. Right. But, um, one of the funny things I did learn from this project is when the airbrush clogs up and there's not as much flow, it's really good for little details. So I was able to like dot eyes and stuff in a way I would oh, never really? be able to do before. Interesting. So I was just sort of like, I'm going to turn this lemon into fucking lemonade <laughs> and make, make something out of this. Um, all right, let's uh, let's get off of that. So we've got plenty of stuff coming in. The other big project we've got coming in is Brotherhood of Ultramar. We've got more mm-hmm. of those guys coming through. You just got those today. Yeah. So we'll look to see those in the next coming weeks. Um, so yeah, we've got lots of plenty of stuff on our desk. Uh, we have I have one new commission come in just today. That's assembly only, and the guy is a Tyranid player, and he wants some custom bioweapons. So he wants some spike rifles, he wants some strangle webs. And what's weird is he's in the UK, so he's, he's having me buy the models here, assemble them, convert them, and then send them to him. And he will have international tariffs, but um, which will be fine, I think, because it's a small order. But uh, he has a painter, and he said, my painter is in Cardiff, which... I don't know where Cardiff is. I'm going to go with somewhere very fancy like Rome or something. Maybe. Um, but I was like, it was, it was a frustrating. One of the things I've learned is that when you get mobile clients, they tend to sort of email you weird. They, they don't really, how do I put this? They'll say stuff like, hey, man, how much for 20 termagants, which is how this commission started. And I was like, I don't know if you're like 12 or I don't know if you're 40 <laughs> or maybe you're just busy. Like, I don't really know. Um, but I'm beginning to wonder if I should, and I, I always like treat those commissions the same. I always like, I go, I give them the, the whole nine yards. Like I, I do a whole quote and all that sort of stuff. But a lot of times I have to kind of feel them out the first couple of emails to see, is this a waste of my mm-hmm. time? Yeah. Cause I'm a little gun shy after that Russian commission. A few yeah. Weeks ago. It's ridiculous. All right. Let's move on to um, news and rumors. Um, so I guess the big news of course is Tau, which oh, we kind yes. of talked about a little bit. Um, so, um, Obviously, we've talked about the Storm Surge. We've talked about mm-hmm. Ghost Keel. This week, the new terrain set dropped, like, kind of out of left field, I would say. It was um, definitely a surprise that, it was, yeah. that they finally actually released the terrain because it's been rumored forever that right. Xenos would get something. But um, I think it's been in the rumor mill for a couple weeks now. It's a good-looking set of terrain. It's, yeah, it's yeah. very cool. They actually leaked some pictures today of it, like, on the sprue. Yeah. And it looked... Yeah, pretty good. So it's sprue. It's not um, plastic formed or no, vacuum mold. It's not like the uh, the shield plasma generator. obliterator or any of those things yeah. that was like a different. It's like a PVC. It looked like. I, I do sure. appreciate that they're trying new techniques. Mm-hmm. I'll say that for them. Um, and this one actually, so this terrain piece incorporates some clear, gl- not glass. What do they call it? Plastic. Yeah, it's like transparent blue. Glue. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, and I've seen that other companies have done that. The guy that does Infinity, that company. Yeah. They it's do it all the like time. Orange and stuff. Corvus Belly. Yeah. Um, Necron have it too. Like they're green gauze the gauss. weapons. Yeah, but those are just rods. This is the yeah. first time we've actually seen it like etched and stuff. True. It, it yeah. looks pretty good. Um, I, I think the only downer is that it sold out so fast, which I know you you have an, a strong opinion of. We'll hear about later. Yep. Um, <laughs> so uh, new terrain, and now they've put out plenty more pictures. 
of the fire warriors now i'm, I'm absolutely mm-hmm. able to agree with you new heads for sure oh yeah uh, new weapon options legs are i'm pretty sure identical everything looks identical except yeah. the the there's probably a few extra accessories um new heads new shoulder pads they have the old ones plus a new kind yeah so you've got so. kind of it, it's a nice option because the tower mm-hmm. kind of light on troops Mm-hmm. They, I was Watch. looking at their codex earlier. They have Kroot and they have Fire Warriors, and yeah. that's it. And yet, maybe Guns Pathfinders, if you want to. Conf- I mean, I think they're. I don't cons- even know if they're troops. I feel like they're, they're elite. I don't think they are either, yeah. but I think they're more maybe facet. No, they can't be facet. I don't know what they are. Uh, so they were light on troops for sure. Mm-hmm. So this gives you an option, which is nice. Um, one of the things I'm most excited about is the portable turrets. They kind of drag along with them. Yeah. I think that's really fun. I'm interested to find if you can actually war like move the terrain. Like I think that it's... once you put it down, it's like it plops into place. Okay, and then it's kind of stagnant. But that's a good point. Like because once you move it into, I mean, most boards are pretty terrain heavy. Yeah. They're not going to be able to get very far with it. And one of the things that Tau used to have is their rail rifles or their rail guns or their pulse rifles or whatever the fuck their mm-hmm. main gun is. It was a 30 inch rapid fire weapon, which was unprecedented when it came out. Yeah, and now I think it's the same, but I feel like now they've got a new weapon statistic where Within 12 inches or something, it becomes AP3. I think which it's is the. Crazy. I don't know if it's the pulse rifle or if it's the new weapon the breachers a, get. I think that's it. I think it, that becomes something. It's a marine killer. But it is a, AP3. Yeah. And, and I, I was thinking about that in terms of like Overwatch. And, and we're not a rules podcast, so we're not going to get into this really crazy. But um, but occasionally rules and hobbies sort of coincide. And I was mm-hmm. like, man, an AP3 weapon in Overwatch is killer. Yeah. Um, although you're only going to hit sometimes if you can pump your marker light bonuses into that holy shit well plus that and i think they have that i help fire whatever support fire from the nearby units so you can unload someone's dead they're dead (laughs) so um they're not my play style but i I absolutely like the look of the army uh all right so let's breeze through a couple other rumors before we move on real quick um horus heresy is rumored in november Mm -hmm. i had one client actually he gave me he sent me his dark elf army to consign in preparation for buying this. So I've been really? selling. So the store is full of dark elves now, if you're interested. <laughs> he had 150 dread spears, which are flying off the shelves. So for some really? reason, people love these things. Um, and I broke them down into lots of 10 so that I could have a lower price point, which mm-hmm. was smart because it allows me to sell them more readily. <coughs> uh, plastic assassins are rumored to be coming out. There was Fine an assassins month. game a few um, God, months ago. That was a while ago. I think it was like... Maybe April? I finally saw one of those on a table the other day, and I'd forgotten about the game until I saw it. Yeah. And then someone told me, yeah, they're supposed to be coming out. And I was like, really? Yeah. Um, so um, Age of Sigmar, there's, of course, more of that coming. They continue to release that. Um, although it still just continues to be Corn and Stormcast. I would love to see some different stuff. Yeah, I thought I heard, and this is just yeah, rumors, of course, um, but the demons... I'm still hearing more about that, so that's oh, still yeah. on the, like a Lord of Change and maybe a Great Unclean one. See, I heard that those guys have been on ice for a while. They've had them ready, and then they just haven't released yeah, them yeah. for some reason. I think that's, I mean, even the uh, terrain kit for the Tau was yeah. like 2015. So yeah. they clearly have these things for years, and they just don't release them until they're ready. I've got, um, I've, I've been wanting to do a Kugoth conversion for a while. He's the one who's like, he's a greater, he's a Grand Unclean one, but he's on a sled, he's on a palanquin. And I bought, um, so I bought some stuff to do him, and I wanted to do him like a, a, a tribute to Jabba the Hutt. So I, I bought nice. like a, a like a, a dark Eldar slave to be Leia, and I, <laughs> I got a Jakira weaponsmith to be the monkey guy. And um, I'm afraid they're going to release this Kugoth kit, and I'm going to be fucked because I'm going to have all these parts, <laughs> and I'm not going to be able to sell it. 
Um, but I've done this a couple times before. I keep going back to Java for Kugoff for some reason. I've done a couple of these over the years. Some of them are absurdly dumb. Like one of them was like 12 inches. It was insane. It was wow. it was too big. Yeah. It's like I counted it as like a um, a plague reaper. Uh, okay, um, holiday bundles are on the horizon too. We'll be looking out for those. And Tyranids are rumored to be the first armor of 2016. Do you have any thoughts on that? No, I mean, they've had those supplements uh, that came out in December last year. So they had like the Leviathan and all yeah. that. And the new units. So I guess now, uh, we were talking about this earlier. Is A lot of those were kind of missed. Some people didn't. Like the Malanthrope, the Toxicream, mm-hmm. they're kind of hit or miss. Uh, but the Spore Pods were a huge addition. Those yeah. were those were. Massive. Well, they also redid like some of the older one, like Zonothrops, I think. Like the yeah, the, um, they got those guys got a new kit. Ravners mm-hmm. got a new kit, and they look great. Yeah, Ravners did get a new kit because they got it with the Toxic. I can't think of his name right now. Toxicring. Toxicring. It's not Toxicring. It's the other one. Venomthrope. He got a Venomthrope. Uh, yeah. yeah. Yep. Um, I I used to be a huge Tyranid player, and in fact, at the local game store, they still know me as a Tyranid player. So <laughs> when I bring in orcs, they're like, "What the fuck are these? Like, where are the nids?" Um, all right, <clears throat> let's move on. Um, oh, we have a sponsor break. Um, and just as a reminder to people out there, if you're interested in being a sponsor on the show, just email us at um, warcouncil at whitemetalgames.com and let us know uh, what you'd like advertised. We are eagerly looking for sponsors of the show um, to help us pay for some of the hosting fees, some of the podcast equipment, but also to get your stuff out there. Um, so if you've got whatever, you know, hobby-related products or paraphernalia, or your own podcast you'd like to co-advertise, just give us a call or give us a shout-out and let us know, and we'd love to talk to you. So we're going to take a brief break, and then we'll be right back. Hey, guys, it's Caleb with War Council. Are you a purveyor of stuff? Are you an entrepreneur with something to preneur? Do you sell things related to tabletop gaming, painting, or some other aspect of the miniatures hobby? Would you like to advertise to, like, at least three listeners a show? Then you've come to the right place. War Council has a limited number of sponsorship slots available. Each slot guarantees you a banner ad on the White Metal Games website, and we're like 300 likes on Facebook right now, so clearly at least 300 people could be bothered to click the like button at some point in time in their lives. For $20 a month, we'll promote you and your products on the show. For $10 more, you can have an entire 30-second commercial. Like this one, only, you know, better and more relevant and stuff. Email us at info at for more information, and until you do, put your manis where your mouth is. Alright guys, welcome back to War Council, the hobby-centered podcast for miniature enthusiasts. Um, the, tonight's episode is about the Halloween hobby, and we wanted to talk about things Halloween-related. Um, we know that from earlier in the podcast that um, Philip hates Halloween, was denied <laughs> yes, Halloween okay. as a child, and um, for all intents and purposes, just doesn't believe in it. It's actually one of my favorite holidays. Uh, uh-huh. Every year I do a and d game um, that's themed around Halloween. I've got one coming up this year. And um, yeah, it'll be, it's going to be, I, I always do something like, like one year I did kind of a Saw parody in a dungeon hmm. and one year I did like um, a Salem Witch Trials parody. So I always pick something kind of movie oriented or, or thematic oriented. Like I, I haven't done like a zombie survival game yet. Um, but this year's one is about, um, it's kind of, it's kind of, I don't want to, well, the players, my players don't listen to the game, who gives a shit. Um, they don't listen to the podcast. Um, so it's, it's kind of a Salem witchcraft kind of town, and I wanted there to be a scarecrow that was kind of hunting people in the town. So I liked this idea of this scarecrow that killed people, and that every day when you got up the next day, the murder had occurred during the night, and there was a new body in the field 
crucified like on a cross like a scarecrow mm. and that um like I, I wanted something really really creepy and so i had to kind of figure out a way to make that work and so i came up with this idea that there's this this grove of trees where this dryad lives and they had used the tree for hanging bodies for years and years and years and she had slowly kind of you know had her sanity broken and so now she's killing people like this evil dryad right. and you wouldn't think yeah. of a dryad um because i just did this diorama and there are these beautiful sexy women you wouldn't think of them as being a horrific thing but once you give them like big claws made of like tree like branches or something mm-hmm. they actually become kind of awesome yeah um and at a, at a low level like second or third level if you just throw on a template they're actually kind of lethal because um, they can move, they're they're like the perfect assassins. They move in and out of trees, and they can blend in with their environments. And so you just take something that's very very fun and light and airy feeling, and you just twist it a little bit, mm-hmm. and you get something very creepy, like a doll in a kids movie, like Chucky. Yeah. You know, something very very like innocent innocent yeah. theme, you know, feeling, but not really. All right. So um, that being said, I love Halloween and I'm excited about the holiday. So tonight we're going to present you with a few tips on technique about how to handle Halloween themed models and miniatures and that sort of thing. Um, So first off, why don't we talk about um, orange? So um, Mm -hmm. my thought was pumpkins are orange. We'll talk about orange. Sure. So um, I guess for me, orange is one of those colors. So first off, there's colors that are harder and harder to work with. Yeah. I would say red can be hard. uh, White is, is oftentimes called a hard color. Mm-hmm. Yellow, for me, is a really hard color. Yes. Um, and yellow is partially because it's such a transparent color, you have to build up your base really well. Um, speaking of yellow, the um, the army we sold last month, those um, dread, the dread model. Yeah. yeah, the client finally got those because he's in the UK and he loves them. He thought they were Did fantastic. He? he was he was blown away by them, which is great, awesome. which means the yellow worked. The yeah. technique worked really well. Um, but working with yellow and orange can be a challenge. Um, what is your normal... I guess methodology for working with orange or do you work with orange? I have the, um, the most recent thing that I experimented with was the Eldar. Actually, I did a sort of like a reverse Eandon. So it was like blue and yellow. Okay. As opposed to the bright yellows and a little bit of blue. Sure, sure. Um, anyways, I found that a base of white works wonders for yellow. It makes it almost yeah. like I use GW colors. So I use like a Uriel yellow sure. and that's like a mid tone yellow. And it went over maybe two two coats, and then I found just adding because like the wash. white base brightens up the yellow. Yeah, and yeah. you only need to use a couple layers. So uh, I followed that up with a, a orange wash. They okay. use the fusion orange, yeah. and it blends perfectly. And that gave and me that it, orange. It does that look. bring it down to an orange? Well, or depending on how heavy you go with sure. it. So I use it for the recesses to kind of give it some more depth. But you could certainly go over the yellow with that orange and you know create. A now that sounds like a lot of brushwork. How do you do it when you airbrush? Um, or do you have you airbrush? Have you ever airbrushed orange? I have not actually. Um, I did a Tarask, um, which is a, a I don't you're not an RPGer, but Tarask is a French dragon, and there's a figure from Reaper called Kanjira, which is on the site, and I'm a huge fan of this figure because the Tarask is one of the most classic D and D monsters there ever was, and Reaper did a phenomenal sculpt on this guy, and he's massive, but he's only like fifty bucks. So I did one, and the old model on the very very old pictures he was kind of orange and i was like fuck it i'll do orange so um i had never done orange this big before so this was kind of new for me so i kind of went (laughs) i kind of went uh, this was probably the worst way i could have done this but what i did was i primed black and then i went over it with a really really heavy zenithal brown 
So mm-hmm. black was in the very deepest recesses and brown was everywhere else. And then I, I mixed, I completely changed gears and I did a zenithal white highlight. So now I've got white in the middle of all the plates and the armor and stuff. And then from there, I built up a dark, like tangerine orange. And then I went white again. And then I went with uh, another orange. And I, and I so I built it up layer by layer, adding white back in each time to make it a, a lighter and lighter zenithal highlight each time. Until the final layer when I got to the top was a very bright orange, but there was also a lot of darker layers beneath. And it was a very rich color. Um, and I was a big fan of it. I re- really liked it a lot. Yeah. But orange is, like, if you think yellow is transparent, orange is just as transparent. Mm-hmm. So it's a hard color. So you need that base, I think, to work off of. Um, and a lot of people call that, some people call it candying or tinting. Do you have anything you normally call that, or you just, just paint? Um not I've heard it called tinting because basically you're tinting the white is the idea. Yeah, but you're yeah, it's I mean it's layering though. You're just using a white in between each layer. That's fair. So yeah, I mean, um, so what about um, when I think about orange? I also think about OSL. So if you were going to do an orange OSL, and that's for you know mm-hmm. people that don't know, that's object source lighting, which is like a glow, like a candle, is an example. In fact, yeah. candles and torches are a great example of orange glow. Like how would you how do you normally go about doing that? Ugh. Um, well, let's say you're gonna... tricky. Okay, definitely tricky. I mean, an orange lens—that's one thing. You got more of like a like strong, on a towel, yeah, or a towel, any lens, yeah. Um, but like a candle, that's—I feel like it definitely interacts differently than you know, like a bright bulb, sure. or something. Um, well, I mean, I guess when I think about OSL, I think about what's the color at the center, and the mm-hmm. color for me is always a little bit brighter. Like when we did the Crix a few months ago, we did green. But then for the center, I was like, let's go yellow. Right. Um, so with orange, I would almost argue the same thing. Yellow. I would say, like, yellow is, yeah. your, is your center Definitely. again. So I if, like, honestly, I'm sorry. Just no, no, yellow, I feel like, is a is pretty much the center color for a lot. Of, like, reds, red lenses, yeah, green, yeah. orange. Only thing, maybe not purple or blue. Yeah, but. that's true. Um, when you look at, um, I've been painting up some templates for eBay recently, like some blast templates. At any time, yellow is a really good center. I use it for I use it for my fiery explosions. I use it for my toxic explosions. Mm-hmm. So um, I guess the simple rule of thumb is if you're using yellow or orange, use a white base to sort of brighten it up. Definitely. I think that's a nice, simple tip. Um, all right, let's move on to highlighting black, um, which black is a – so I, I thought about this because I thought about it in terms of spiders or bats. Have you ever painted up like a giant spider or a giant bat? Uh, no, but I have – I mean, I've definitely – Played around with different types of highlighting for black, so... Well, the Brotherhood of Ultramar mm-hmm. are basically a great example of that. Yeah. Um, do you want to talk about how you did that? Uh, yeah, that one was more traditionally just using grays. Okay. You know, what was your them. lightest gray, would you say? Uh, like, how I, close to white do you... Like, if it was a spectrum, how close to white did you get with your highest? I would say, you know, five being like a middle gray, one being white, it was probably like a two. Okay. Pretty yeah. bright. Yeah. Pretty bright. Um, so you worked from black and then you just worked your way up. Now these guys were airbrushed, but you could feather mm-hmm. it, I suppose. But did you just work your way up through lighter and lighter grays till you got to like a very off white tip? Pretty much. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it looks good. I like mm-hmm. it a lot. Um, so that, that works well on hard edges. What about soft edges? Like, let's say there was a big bulbous body, like, uh, let's mm-hmm. say it was a Tiernan and someone wanted a, a arachnid themed Tiernan army because that's, I, I think that's a pretty common request. I've seen that before. In fact, we've done mock-ups for those before. Mm-hmm. Um, and when we did it, we did it basically the same way, but I didn't want to go, you want that black to be at the center. Like you want them to feel, not at the center, but you want the black to be 
present or prevalent. Mm-hmm. You wanted to feel black without, with with still having a highlight. So I think for those cases, like I, I didn't go as bright. I, like if we were talking about that same spectrum, I might have worked up to a three, maybe, okay. or a, a three and yeah. a half, maybe. Because um, I did, um, I did a giant spider. Like I got a, a few shelobs about a year ago, and I did a couple of those. And when I did those, um, I did highlight up um, to the same basic technique to a very light, a lighter gray. Um, and then to break it up a little bit, I would just like basically draw on like the red coloration to show that it was a vicious predator. Mm-hmm. Um, and for me, that's kind of a great technique for spiders because you, we've talked about kind of in the past, like the idea of um, not distraction, but um, like a forced perspective. So by putting that big red warning marking on the spiders, let's say carapace, you're forcing the viewer to look at that. And so it's harder for them to focus on the highlight which by definition means that they're looking at what you want them to look at, yeah. in, in my opinion. It's kind of like a magician like without assistant. Yeah, like, leading their eye. Yeah, <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, okay, um, anything else about highlighting black? I mean, I think that with black, it's just one of those things. Like, I guess we could talk about edge highlighting because a lot of mm-hmm. traditional painters do lining or edge highlighting. Yeah, and that's what I've seen a lot. Like, GW actually had a fantastic article recently. Well, not recently. It was with the Bloodthirster when they first released that. They okay. showed probably three or four variations of the way they highlight black. And it ranged from your traditional grays to going with, like, a stone color, like okay. a, almost browns sure. and things. So there's definitely different ways to do it. Um, I mean, if you really want to show some really nice contrast, you could, like you mentioned the red, yeah. use that in the lining. Well, just, that will give it just as a, as an object lesson, because last week we talked about shadows. What kind of colors would you work into your shadows for something like a spider or a bat? Do you think? Uh, like I know what yeah. I would work in, but I, I'm, I'm curious what you might work in. Depends on what the overall color is. I, usually when it's a shadow color, I want to choose something that's going to contrast yeah, fair enough. Primary color. Fair so enough. if you're going for like a blue, um, like a more of like a bluish black. Yeah, something cut, like that. You might want to go with something like a, like maybe a dark purplish. Yeah, like, I was I would recesses. say like, Reaper makes these great colors. They call them, I don't know what they're called, but like one of them is called Nightmare Black. And it's a very dark blue black. One mm-hmm. of them is called Slime Black. And it's a very dark green black. And I think any of those would work great as a shadow color because you have just a little bit of color mm-hmm. in there. Um, but yeah, again, like I, I like the idea of working in some rounds and working in, you know, think about what the figure is. If it's a mm-hmm. natural spider crawling along the ground, you could easily justify brown, dirty colors down there. Um, and then with the, with a bat, which is just kind of flying around, I would just do what we've already said, which is just highlight up a little bit to grays and whites. Yeah. Um, okay. Let's talk about, um, so I, 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 I had been meaning to write an article about tombstones for a while. Because I, I occasionally do dioramas, and um, for a while I was doing a vampire counts army that kind of fell apart. Um, but one of the things that I was really into at the time is I wanted to make all my zombies and skeletons look like they were rising out of graveyards. So I was doing a lot of research on gravestones at the time. And I was like, you know, I'm sure other people will benefit from this too. So I finally put together an article, and um, it's, it should post on Bella Lost Souls sometime soon, but we'll see. It depends on whether or not Big Red is interested in it. Sometimes <laughs> he's weird about that. Uh, but I did an article, and I compared four or five different tombstone companies. And what's funny is when I first did the article, uh, some of the companies were in business. And then a year later when I went back to finish the article, because I'm a procrastinator, apparently, uh, one of the companies had closed down. Really? <laughs> so they weren't even in business anymore, so I had to pull them off the article. But for the most part, these other guys are really great. And um, 
what what I found in my studies is that your average company is going to charge you about 10 bucks for about eight tombstones. And there are a bunch of different ranges of them in different sizes. Be sure to check your scale, um, but I provided a link to the article. Um, you, I don't want to sort of toot my own horn. I think the article is fine. It's mm-hmm. useful. It's designed to sort of be a resource for you. If you're doing a diorama, if you're doing like a zombie tutorial or a skeleton tutorial, or you're doing some sort of scenic base, like this is a great way to kind of have some fun with that. Um, I, I thought it was great. Yeah. I mean, I looked at... Um, just you have a lot of options there, yeah. and the etched brass that was that's a, a nice cool touch. one, right? Yeah. yeah. So I mean, there's definitely some ways to make the tombstones look unique. Yeah. Um, you put pricing in there. I I was personally enthralled by the uh, the land raider that you oh, listed there with the yeah. cathedral half built on. Um, so I do have to I do have to say that like um, when I first got into the hobby, I was I was really into Blue Table's work, and over the years I've become less distant. Not that they're a bad company, and they're fine. I I, I think they're a very they're super respectable in that, holy shit, they do a lot of volume. Mm-hmm. But um, one of the things I loved about Sean is I think he's very creative. And I, I will say this you know, till I'm, till I'm dead. He's a very creative guy. And I, I like his, his creative spirit. And one of the armies that he did years and years ago is he did a Black Templar army. And they had these castles on the back of Land Raiders. So they had like little castles and little shrines. And I was like, this is fantastic. This yeah. is so... Like it's not it's not good in terms of like you know the game, but it's awesome looking. It's really cool, mm-hmm. and I really liked it, and I wanted to do something like that. And I've always been fascinated with Soul Drinkers. They're this really unknown chapter that kind of, in, in fact, their 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 prime arc was corrupted by chaos and like becomes kind of a half spider. His lower body is kind of spiderish. Mm-hmm. So he's his name's Sarpedon, and he's really cool. But um, I was really fascinated with this idea of this chapter that drinks souls instead of blood to sort of like absorb life vitality and they're kind of like psychic vampires and like these guys are cool um so i wanted to do something kind of like that and i i imagined big green osl so i did a land raider and i i put a, a chapel on its back and there's lots of like gargoyles and like statuettes mm-hmm. and stuff and, and you saw it it's kind of it's kind of crazy but um unfortunately it never got painted because i sent it to a, a guy to paint when I was experimenting with outsourcing new painters, and he never got it back to me, so I'll have to build another one. It is I will have to build another <laughs> one. It is somewhere in the UK. Um, if there was ever a client that wanted to do a knight uh, lord's army like this, holy shit, I would jump at that project. Yeah, like I would love to do that because they're kind of like very evil vampires. I love the idea of, of their 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 mausoleums or not their mausoleums their land raiders and rhinos basically being mobile coffins mm-hmm. like, i just think that's a fantastic fun <laughs> idea um it's just those lightning strikes man oh. so yeah that's true the lightning <laughs> well yeah and i found some cheap easy ways to cheat at that but we'll, uh, we'll do that on another video uh, or another another thing all right so um for the last thing we're going to talk about during this tip on technique is um we're going to talk about i have a, a simple easy technique for ghosts and I've learned this because, um, as I mentioned earlier, I have an eBay store. And so I'm always looking for models that I can replicate very, very easily and quickly. Mm-hmm. So what I found is I bought a couple of ghosts from Reaper. And you can buy different ghosts. They have very, they have you know probably 20 different sculpts. But um, I wanted to figure out a way to very quickly and easily do ghosts that I could sell fast. So um, what I came up with was this, and it's a four-step technique. And the basic way is this. You take a ghost, any ghost, doesn't matter what it is. Let's say it's a banshee. You prime it black. You do a zenithal highlight of a very, very dark purple. You do a zenithal highlight of a very, very deep sea green. So now it's got two colors on there, and the deepest recesses are black. Mm 
And then you go in with a lighter aqua color uh, for your final zenithal highlight. And even though you're saying, you know, you could think like, well, it's, it's zenithal highlights. They're all going to like, you know, uh, they're going to null each other out. They don't. Like the colors are deep. So just mm-hmm. go lighter with each one. You can actually take your airbrush farther away from the model so that it's blaze out more so less color collects on the high edges you know don't think about this in terms of like there are are variables to airbrushing if i move my airbrush farther away if i lower my psi if i thin my nix there's all sorts of ways i can affect that so at this point i have this very kind of weird greenish color model and then i basically add just a little bit of white to the paint pot and then i pick out a few areas to highlight like face or you know with the female ghost i usually do like their cleavage or like hair, or if they're holding a weapon, I'll do that. Mm-hmm. And the average figure takes me about 10 minutes. Dang. Tops. <laughs> and I usually sell those for about 25, 30 bucks, which after materials means I make a profit of give or take around 15, 20 bucks. That's awesome. <laughs> and I don't, and I don't sell them much. I sell like yeah. one a month, but if I could find like 50 figures to do that with, I could make a business out of that. <laughs> um, so, you know, if you've liked the ghosts in the store, that's how I do it. And I'll do a tutorial or a blog about it someday. Uh, but for now, I've been holding on to this trade secret because I don't want to give away all my secrets. Like, mm-hmm. this is kind of like, <laughs> it looks better than that. And if you're really one of those guys, you're like, it's not enough, dry brush. Get a little white, yeah. do some line edges, do some white dry brush and call it a day. Uh, but keep it keep it simple. Don't overthink it. It's a ghost. Yeah, It doesn't need to be detailed. Every part of it is ectoplasm. Just keep it simple. Um, okay. Um, I think that's good for tips on technique. So we're going to move on. We're going to move right along like a train uh, to tutorial of the week, um, which is the portion of the show where we talk about a tutorial. Um, so this week was mine. I did a gore and blood tutorial by um, Lester Burley of Awesome Paint Job. Are you familiar with Lester's work very much? No, honestly. Um, he was kind of one of the, his sort of big claims to fame was that he did he released a line of washes, which he sold to Secret Weapon, or Secret Weapon bought them or something like that. And so now all of the Secret Weapon miniature washes are based on Lester's original recipe, wow. which they've modified. Um, but he's one of the things that's really cool about him is that he's not really a commission painter. He just is a good painter, and he just shares his knowledge indiscriminately. And he's, um, I think he's a tattoo artist in his real life. Okay. Um, so he takes that hand-eye coordination from tattooing mm-hmm. and needles and translates it really well into airbrushing. Um, and his tutorials are excellent. They're just really, really well done. Um, what did you, you, so you looked over this one. What did you think of this one? Um, so it's a blood and gore wash yeah. tutorial. So it's basically just going over, you know, how to apply. It's short. Yeah, yeah it was it's really short. Three video. minutes, not right. even. It's like two minutes, 40 seconds. But, um, I mean, I think he effectively shows some really nice ways of applying blood and giving you that look sure. um, without overdoing it. Yeah. Um, we were discussing, me and Caleb were discussing this earlier. It's incredibly easy to overdo yeah. a blood effect and make it look just And once sloppy. it's too much, mm-hmm. it's it's hard to go back. Yeah. you can't. Yeah. Well, you can't. Yeah. There's nothing you can do about it. So um, definitely always recommend uh, to start off light with it and build You can up. always add. But, yeah. If, you, if it's like, ah, it's not enough, you can always mm-hmm. add more. But, yeah, uh, he uses, so... I guess he uses his own formula. Yeah, he makes, again, as he makes his own stuff, he kind of made his own. Um, And one of his best tips, I felt like, was he put a little bit of it on his finger. Yeah. And he's like, if it looks like I'm bleeding, it works. Yep. And I was like, that's kind of brilliant. Yeah. (laughs) I I, I made my own bloody gory mix a little while ago, and I tried that, and I was like, oh, this looks like paint. (laughs) It doesn't look like Lester would not approve. (laughs) Um, 
fact, that should be a saying. Lester would not approve. Lester would not approve. <laughs> um, one of the ways I found out about this guy is that when he was doing commission work, he did some Tron-themed um, Land Raiders for a friend of mine who had a Tron-themed Black oh. Templars army, which was really cool. That sounds awesome. And it was the first time I'd really paid attention to OSL and really thought, like, holy shit. Because he didn't do a lot of detail on the models. Mm-hmm. He just picked a few panels and made them glow blue, and I was like, that looks incredible. Yeah. And it really redefined it. One of the, it was one of those moments that redefined the way I thought about painting and how, how it could be different. Mm-hmm. Um, so thank you, Lester very much. Um, and he's got a great site. He's got hundreds and hundreds of videos out there. And in fact, I think I linked to like four of his wash videos last week. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but it is a very, it's a very decent tutorial without going into very, a lot of detail. Like he doesn't overdo it. He picks mm-hmm. certain areas of the model to, to, add the wash it's like a wash basically yeah. to add it to um uses i think feathering yeah he mentions he uses that feathering. a few times um which just to be fair feathering is basically like blending out your edges so a mm-hmm. smooth transition um when you use a feathering when you feather what do you what kind of brush do you use i use like a, a soft brush yeah definitely something more detailed yeah. i mean obviously the size depends on how big of the surface area but usually i end up doing something very small yeah. and then just Put water on the brush sure. and then slowly thin it out. A yeah, bit. that's so. exactly what you should do. You, you're looking to thin out the transition, mm-hmm. and you do that by dispersing the paint thinly exactly. and evenly and slowly, and take your time. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that was basically it. Like, I felt like blood and gore was appropriate for for Halloween, and, and I think that as we sort of mentioned earlier, and I'll reiterate once more, is that don't overdo it. Mm-hmm. Oh, you know, what? one thing I will mention, um, and I didn't I didn't put a link to this, but um, you can use your airbrush. For blood, um, it's real simple. All you do is you dip a regular paintbrush, a stiff bristle brush, maybe an old dry brush, in some red paint, and you put your airbrush at a high PSI, maybe 30, Mm -hmm. directly behind the brush, and you just spritz the paintbrush uh, and blast the paint onto a model. And basically you get a splatter effect. Now the downside to this is it can get messy fast. Yes, no control. (laughs) No control. So you're, you're sacrificing control for speed. Yeah. Um, so I don't. I recommend trying it on a, on a piece of paper. Mm-hmm. Um, but I learned about this technique through Brush for Hire. He did a tutorial on it. And if if someone leaves a comment and asks where's the link, I'll provide the link. But until someone does it, I presume no one gives a shit. Um, <laughs> and I'm not going to bother because I can save it for another another podcast. Uh, but less not Lester Burley. Brush for Hire. Austin. I forget what his last name is. Ham or something. Or Austin Thomas? I don't know. Austin something. Um, he did a, a tutorial where he did ghouls from, what's the name of that company? Mantic Games? He did Mantic Ghouls mm-hmm. Kings of War. Okay. And just look for Mantic Ghouls Kings of War, Brush for Hire. You'll find it. It's a quick, easy tutorial. He shows you how to paint ghouls in like, I don't know, 30 minutes or less. They're super easy, super fast, and the blood really works because he was like, he was very honest in the video. He's like, I'm doing a tabletop job. This is not for anything fancy. You know, and I like that. He he was clear like this is the goal. Um, all right, let's move on to product review because we're quickly weaning. Sure. Uh, this week was your time. Your, yep. Your, so what did you pick for our product review? So just kind of going off of again the theme of Halloween and um, the tutorial we just talked about blood for the blood god versus to me is clear red. Um, I've actually used both of these uh, for different purposes. The Blood for the Blood God I've definitely used for blood. Sure. And I've actually applied that to the corn army that's photographed on uh, the white How, how would you describe the consistency? Because it's a technical mm-hmm. paint. Uh, consistency actually with both these paints are, it's thick. Yeah. It's definitely thick. Um, 
I mean, you couldn't like paint with blood for the blood god. I don't. Think. No, I mean you you would I thin it down yeah. always. Um, and it's got a high gloss content. Too. Very very glossy, um, especially the thicker you go. So if you thin it down with water, it's you know, it's a mild varnish sure. essentially. But if you go thicker, the glossier it gets. So I end up toning it down with a sealant, and then now, as a maybe as more. a varnish kind of, it's probably got a pretty thick binding agent. I would get, I would think. So, I assume so. Yeah. I, yeah, I'm not too much of an expert in that particular area. Well, I guess but. what I meant was more like, do you find that it clings to the model pretty easy? It does. Um, cool. And obviously, like, the thing I liked about the Blood for the Blood God is it's because it's thicker, it's a darker red. If you want to get thinner blood mm-hmm. effect, you can just thin it out. Yeah. If you want just to stay dark, then you can plop it on. Um, Have you ever done any experiments with, like, pooling blood or, like... I don't know, let's say like a puddle of blood or something like that. No, I think I would, if I were to do something like that, I'd try mix in a little maybe like water effect with yeah, it. sure. And I think it would be That's really a great nice idea. Of... I wouldn't think about that, but mm-hmm. water effect is basically a clear medium, so you can mm-hmm. add any color you like, really. Yeah. That's smart. So, um, to me, a red uh, is great. I've I've actually used it more as an airbrush. Um, Have you? Had, so it's a it's a um, isopropylol base, mm-hmm. which is alcohol, rubbing alcohol. Yeah, I found. Do you find I, that it gives you any trouble in your airbrush? Yes, you have. To, I was recommended by a friend to use a lacquer thinner. Okay. Um, and this will you got to be careful. You can't actually use this um, when you paint. So it like a lacquer thinner, thinner. You mean like mineral spirits or? Um, it's almost like an acrylic thinner. Wow. Like it's strong, okay. but it keeps it when you can use it as an airbrush. It keeps the paint thin enough to go through. Fl- Nice, okay. nice and smooth because it's a very tacky paint. Yeah, um, that's what I that's re- what I noticed. My biggest problem with to me is, and this is all their colors: their clear reds, the clear blue. I use their smoke gray sometimes. Yeah, it has a very long dry time, yeah. and I've many times I've accidentally put my thumb on it or a finger, and it it Left smudges in a yeah. thumbprint. Yeah, and it's it's and that's weird <laughs> to me because like it's not. It's, it's, I don't, it smells like an enamel paint. Mm-hmm. That's something we don't talk about. We don't talk about the smells of paint very much. It's but it, strong. Yeah, it's a strong it's very smell. strong. So when I first opened the pot, I was like, holy crap. I was like, this is mm-hmm. not, because it says acrylic. And I was like, this mm-hmm. is not acrylic. <laughs> and I was like, I, I guess it's acrylic, but it's yeah. also, it's definitely, when I saw the alcohol base, I was like, alcohol traditionally dries fast, but mm-hmm. this stuff does not. So, no. so it breaks the rules a little bit. Um, it, it really does. You can't use water with it. Very, like if you try to paint with it, yeah. it water doesn't really help thin it down. No, much. I mean water because water wouldn't. It would be like mixing oil and water. Basically. Yeah. So I, I don't really like it to me as that much. I've tried to get better with them, but I it's just. I found out about it because I was looking for something unrelated, and I found out about clear smoke. And they were like, mm-hmm. if you like clear smoke, try try blood smoke red or whatever. Uh, um, but um, I haven't tried the clear smoke yet. But I've heard it's really good on canopies. Like I've just used it on metallics. Yeah. It looks really well. The problem I've also found, though, is it clouds. Does it? I don't know if it's something, I, if I was not giving enough dry time between layers, huh. but I found that it ended up getting a cloudy effect. Right. I was able to alleviate that using, like, washes, yeah. and it eventually... So you kind of hit it. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it was frustrating. <laughs> so I guess the lesson here is that... With Blood for the Blood God, we're more used to it because it's a traditional acrylic paint. Mm-hmm. Whereas, to me, uh, though absolutely a well-known brand, is a different type of paint. So you have yeah. to practice with it. I don't... Now, the value-wise, you're getting almost, I, I think, double the amount of paint sure. per bottle. Sure. But then again, you're also getting a thicker consistency with the Blood for the Blood God. So if you thinned it out properly, 
you'd almost get the same effect. So it's hard to say value-wise, but sure. if you're going for blood, my recommendation is blood for the blood god. I guess it's, it's another tool for your toolbox. Mm-hmm. It may be useful at some point, maybe not. Um, so I, I guess overall, you, do you like having both, or do you kind of figure you'll just stick with blood for the blood god? If I'm going for blood effects, I'd stick with blood for the blood god. Okay. To be what do you think you would use the Tamiya Clear Red for? If I'm doing uh, large flat area, like large areas that need to be red, and I'm sure. going over like a bright color, like okay. silver or white, so you're gonna it looks fantastic. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Very cool. That's what I've heard the smoke does well for mm-hmm. for tinting a little bit. Yeah. Um, okay, so it kind of works like a candy. You know, in fact, yeah, that might be a good way to look at it because, like, um, Minotaur, they're, they're candy tents, they're ghost tents. They have an cr- incredibly long dry time. Mm-hmm. And I wonder, and they're very tacky, too, so I wonder if it has something It's similar. I don't think they're as thin, though. I feel like the Tamiya's are really thin. Like, it's going to take a lot more layers I agree. than the candies. Yeah, yeah. I agree. Um, okay, so I, I guess the rule of thumb here is that you should experiment mm-hmm. and see what you like. And this is just our two cents. And now, of course, be careful. Again, it smells strong with the Tamiya colors. If you do choose the airbrush, you need you need a ventilator or okay, some ventilation. My area was so smoky. Like I walked out and I walked back in my room and I could see like a haze in my yeah. room. I was like, oh my god! <laughs> I uh, I don't have I, adequate, I don't have adequate <laughs> venting in my garage. And when I airbrush for three mm. or four hours. And I leave and come back in. I'm always like, "Oh my god, yeah. what is going on in here?" Your head starts feeling light. And you're yeah, like, oh, it's, it's bad. It's bad. So, I'm pretty sure I'm going to get lung cancer. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, Someone once told me this is a little bit of a side note that they claimed art was one of the most dangerous jobs you could do, and the idea behind it was that paints are so toxic, That's and you're fair. you can ingest them, you can get yeah. them in your skin. So I can understand it from that. I'm always licking just, my brush too, so I'm always yep, like getting a little something. bit of paint in my mouth. <laughs> Even though it says non-toxic on, like, GW stuff and other Well, I don't but, drink it, but yeah. I mean, like... <laughs> right. So, all right. Um, so that's our product review. We're going to move on to our one-minute rants. And um, this is the segment of the show where we take a minute to just vent about something that's frustrating us. Mm-hmm. And I have heard through the grapevine that you actually have a rant for once. I do. I so do. two weeks of no rants, and now you finally have a rant. Uh, yeah. So I guess right. start the clock. Um, so we touched on this earlier, talking about the Tau um, terrain kit going limited edition again. They've done this several times. Um, now the well, rumor the is void fields too. Yeah, void fields, plasma obliterator right. cannon. Like they now they've said and it's rumored that they'll be re-releasing it in smaller packages, which is it's just fine, but. Why do you make a limited edition of something that's plastic that sells out in an hour? Like it sold out in an hour. I wonder right? how many units there were. It was it was two walls and three platforms. No, how many units in terms of like how many units? Oh, sold? I bet I bet it was maybe like ten thousand, twenty thousand, ten twenty. I'm sure you're right. Something like that. Um, I'm sure people bought multiple. You think they do that intentionally to sort of build hype? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. But I don't understand why they wouldn't just. I don't know. That's frustrating. Do something special with it. I guess this was a special thing. It was a package deal. But something to make it, I don't know. Like like bigger. a video game when they do a release and you mm-hmm. have DLC. Yeah, like, that, or like a special package. I mean, something sure. different. Yeah. Like, but this is literally going to be the exact same as what they're releasing later. Maybe at a lower price point. Maybe yeah. that was the bargain. I don't I know. But things like a plasma obliterator, yeah, it's not coming back. I agree. And there was nothing special about getting limited edition. It's just and it, why limit that as a company? Like, if you could have yeah. sold forty thousand of those, why would you sell forty thousand? Yeah, of those? for a company that's supposed to be trying to be smarter about their finances yeah. and making things for stocks and all that. 
what the hell? Yeah, <laughs> what, what the, the hell? hell? Good rant for you. Yeah, Look at yeah, that. Exactly. <laughs> and now that makes me think about the Void Shield generator, and that is really frustrating. Yeah. Because it's one of those units that I would actually like to, to do, but every time I do one, I have to scratch build it. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, speaking of, that Tyranid Void Shield generator I built a few months ago finally sold. Which I thought so, was awesome. Was I can't believe it took that right? long. Yeah, it took a while. But um, I, I want to do an orky one now, and I want to make it look like a giant custom forest field. I bet um, you could do that. I'm like, cool, with like a Gorkonaut. Yeah. And like, do it. Like yeah, all those exactly. plates. Oh, that'd be sweet. It'd be kind of fun. Uh, all right. Well, I'm actually going to take a break from the rants this week to give an accolade. I've decided to Ooh. use my one-minute rant for an accolade, um, which I thought would be, I don't know what the, the opposite of what the hell would be, but... Um, I don't know. Like, good for you, man. Praise the Lord. Yeah, or something. Well, yeah. <laughs> um, so, uh, so we'll put a minute on the clock. And um, good for you, Reaper. This month is Breast Cancer Awareness Month. And if you don't know that, just look anywhere and see anything pink, and you will know it's Breast Cancer Awareness mm-hmm. Month. Uh, my wife has been watching nonstop mammograms on TV, like on some show. Like, there's a surgery show <laughs> she watches, and every woman has her boobs cut off. And yeah, it's the most, it's, it's, it's terribly sad. And my, my penis shrinks a little bit every time I see <laughs> these, these videos. Um, but anyway, so I, I got a package delivery from, um, no, no pun intended. I got a package delivery from Reaper the other day and they sent me this dragon that I was for a client. And inside there was a tiny little pink bottle of paint and it wasn't called like breast pink or titty pink or anything like that. In fact, I don't think it had a name at all. It's just a bottle of pink paint, one of their regular drip bottles um it, in support of cancer awareness and on the label it said like in support of cancer awareness like we give you this paint or whatever and i've seen them do that with test paints before like at christmas time they send out a color called christmas wreath and it's like a, a demo color mm-hmm. and around carnival time sometimes they send out this one called big top red and so they've tried these over the years and i always think they're kind of fun but i'd never seen it before for breast cancer awareness and i don't know if it's because i've never bought anything from them during october or maybe they've never done it before but either way, good for you, Reaper. That's cool. Like, yeah. it's so nice. And they're just sending it out. It's just free paint. And it's just like, I, I don't know when I'm going to use pink. I have no idea. <laughs> um, I, I'm not doing a Slanish Army anytime soon. But regardless of which, it's a cool, it's just a nice thing they did. Yeah. And I was like, that's really great. I wish other companies would do that. I wish I wish GW had a Slanish special for the month of October. Oh, or geez. like, some, you know, like, <laughs> somebody had like a, whatever, some sort of pink special. I don't mm-hmm. know what you could do. Like a pink horror special or something. Like, wouldn't that be kind of fun? Definitely. So, well good for you, Reaper. Um, all right. And that brings us to our outro. We are out of here this week. Another one uh, is in the bag. Um, so, we've got the holidays coming up. We're going to do a few other podcasts before the holidays, but we'll probably take it light the next couple months. It won't be crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, we are thinking about adding a third voice to the podcast. We've been approached by one of our listeners who um, described himself as a firebrand. So we're going to see if we can't work that in. We're going to give that a try and um, maybe see if we can't get a shock jockey kind of person on the show. We're going to we're going to test it out and see if it works or not. Um, what else? Uh, I guess is there anything else on your mind, or do we? I think we kind of. I think I think we kind of hit Halloween pretty well. I think. Um, are you doing anything fun for the holiday at all? I guess we'll end on that. Yeah, unfortunately, yeah. Sorry, you're traveling. I'm traveling. So. What are you traveling to Tyson's Corner for? Like a, um, for just to I'm, see family? Yes, well, family and. Um, a part-time GW thing, job. You have to go and work a shift. Yeah, it's on call. It's worth it. <laughs> think, 
It's worth it considering the fact that I'm getting funny. 50% off. That's true. Yeah. That's true. It's a huge discount. So um, That's funny. <laughs> Plus, um, I get to see friends that's cool. and people I All haven't right. seen in months. So. Well, um, I, I will be doing my Halloween game, so that's about it for now. Um, All right, guys. Well, um, until next time, uh, my name is Caleb Dillon with White Metal Games. And I'm Phil Coleman with Brushwork Minis. And this has been War Council, a podcast for miniature and hobby enthusiasts. And until next time, put your minis where your mouth is.